everybody. Welcome to Opening the Mic. This is a brand new podcast following two aspiring comedians on our journey from open micers to real deal comedians. I'm Travis Stevenson. And I'm John Murphy. And we just thought the world needed another podcast, you know? There's not enough of them out there. Couldn't like, hurt. Uh, enough people aren't <laughs> doing podcasts, so we thought we'd throw our hat in the ring. Um, so what do, you th- what do you want this podcast to be about? I want to, one, document like what goes on in our lives, because we're brand new to this. I mean, we've been doing this, what, two months? Yeah, about two months. Two months. Few open mics, no like real spots or anything like that. Uh, what people, what real comics would call a spot. I think I want to see what goes on in our world as we progress, like the ins and outs, kind of like you know the stuff that for me personally, when I first found out I was going to do an open mic, I was super nervous about how the whole thing played out. Like what what to expect when you walk in the room? Like, what do you do? You have to show up early. And it's silly, silly little shit that like I let freak me out for no reason. And I'd like to. As we learn those things, put it out there so other people aren't as freaked out because I learn a lot from podcasts. And that's one of the first things I did was look and see if there was a podcast that was talking about what it was like to start comedy for the first time. And, you know, do you what do you do? What are the steps you go through? And there wasn't one. So figure we'll make one. What yeah, about you? That's that's kind of what I want to do with this podcast as well. It's because we've wanted to do, to do comedy our whole lives. We oh, yeah. thought it was something cool, but. When you get older, you know, with all the negativity or insecurity, you're like, man, maybe maybe it's like singing or being in a band. I have to be born with talent. Maybe you have to be born special to do that. Yeah. And then an opportunity comes along for us to do open mics, and we're like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's try it. Yeah. And we go to do it, and the more we do it and the better we've gotten in this short amount of time, we realize, you know, maybe it's not talent that you're born with. Maybe there's a few tips and tricks, and there's some structure yeah. along the way, and we thought... Well, we weren't able to find anything about it, so let's talk about it. Let's demystify what stand-up comedy is, because yeah. it's honestly been one of the favorite things that I've ever done. It's been the oh, coolest 100%. new hobby that I've ever dove into. And we've got our fair share of those hobbies. And I fucking tell everybody that I meet. I'm like, <laughs> they find out, they're like, hey, you did stand-up? I'm like, yeah, yeah, and you should too. Just yeah, give it a try, absolutely. even if you're not funny. Just get up there and do it. And that's like, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but the... Growing up, I'm sure you as well. I'm, I know because we grew up together. But we should probably touch on that. Basically, we are childhood best friends. Yep. From what, 11? 11, yeah. 12, something like that? Middle school. I, I mean, was... I had pubes. So I don't know if it was childhood best friends. We were adolescent best friends. <laughs> <laughs> he did have pubes. I confirmed it like second day. He was a slut. Uh, really easy. We, the thing we bonded over, I think most of anything, was comedy. Like we didn't know that that's what it was at the time, but jokes is what like made us become best friends it was because we made each other laugh i think yeah we'd be sitting around in in gym class and we'd be holding court like telling the latest jeff fox really oh yeah cd or whatever yep or you know uh blue collar comedy had came out that was big and we could fucking recite every word oh yeah and that's what we did for like years was just stand around and tell each other the jokes that we already knew because yeah. we'd watch that shit a thousand fucking times. But and that's what was like bonding too is because we'd see other people fuck it up. I'm like, no, 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 you didn't you get know, the timing right. You got to pause here because that's what makes it funny. And we didn't know it. We oh, were working. he stepped on his punchline. God damn it. <laughs> we <didn't> Marcus. It. <laughs> we were working on our stand up then. I, I mean, we didn't know that's what we were doing, but like yeah. that's all we ever talked about. It seemed like um, music. We, we talked a lot about music. And stand up, that was like our shit, man. That was, yeah. especially anytime there was a new special that would come out, we would just come back to school the next day after we both watched it and just recite it back and forth. Yeah. And it's jokes we'd already laughed at at home by ourselves, but we still made each other laugh with it, which is the thing that I think blows my mind the most about doing stand up that I didn't realize beforehand is a joke can be funny twice. Yeah. 
Like that fucking blows my mind. I remember sometimes. when I came up with my first like funny thing that I said and like yeah. maybe made the teacher laugh or other kids laugh. And I'm like, oh, that was cool. And then I would try it again. Yeah. In like lunch or recess. I was like, oh, fuck, I'm workshopping jokes yep. and didn't even realize it. I was just like, oh, OK, this made Miss Taylor laugh. Let's see if it makes the kids laugh, too. Right. And I'm like, oh, let me try a different thing here. Maybe let me let me try a different punch. And line. the whole time you were just punching up jokes for stand up and had no idea. And then. What what was the turning point? What was the like the, the key switch when you decided you were going to go on stage and do stand up? Yeah. OK, so for me, like. Life beats you down a little bit and, you know, you think you're good at something and it'll let you know real quick. Like, no, you got to be special because I was in a band in college and the music was everything. I loved it. I just love creating and making things. And then I got, you know, in college and you start playing music and then you realize maybe we're not that good. You know, like we're trying really hard, but maybe we're not that good. So I thought the same thing about stand up because I've always had people tell me, you know, Trav, you're funny. You should be a comedian. I'm like, oh, fucking fuck off. Get out of here with that nonsense. And they keep telling you that, and it, it might as well be your grandmother telling you you're strong or you're yeah. handsome or whatever. It's some compliment oh, yeah. that like, yeah, I'm, I'm funny to you. I'm funny at a barbecue, right. but I'm like not funny enough to be on stage. It's the same thing with music. Like, I, I mean, I was at those shows, like I said, we've been <laughs> friends forever, but you would get off and people would be like, man, that was really fucking good. Yeah, but it wasn't, you know, Foo Fighters good. Right. We've always held this higher standard. For everything we've done, it's like if it's not the best we've mm-hmm. ever seen, we're fucking pissed about we're it. We're miserable to hang out with for that one reason because it's like if that's we do, that's really why we're best yeah. friends because nobody else can fucking stand See, us. Dude, if we go to do something, if we're not immediately good or yep. can't become good, I don't want any part of it. Exactly, I like, have to be the best I've ever seen at everything I've ever done, or I'm not doing it. I'm not celebrating like mediocrity. Yeah. So. And That's why I was like, I can say funny things and make people laugh. But you never felt like, like, I'm not the guy who can be the best. Right. So I'm not even going to mess with it. So my wife and I started a YouTube channel, Fixing Up Houses. Right. And it picked up some traction. You know, we got 10, 12,000 subscribers, which yep. is, is cool. It's not like we're going to be famous it's or anything. It's sick. It's awesome. But it is cool. And I was like, we get a lot of comments about when we do funny things on there. And I'm yep. like, oh, I've got a lot of funny ideas for bits. But I can't get there fast. I want to get there quick. Right. I don't want to just fucking, you know, beat around the bush, beat around the bush yeah. and, and be lame and be corny. I'm like, I need to figure out how to distill it down and get to the funny quick. Yeah. So I don't have to stress about it. So there's this comedy club that opens up in our small town where we live. And they I was at a restaurant. I see a flyer for a, a stand up comedy class. Mm-hmm. I'm like, OK, I can use this to teach me how to write jokes for the YouTube channel. Yeah. So I go there, we do the class, we get an assignment to write a joke. And they're like, the first day they like, uh, they tell you, um, you have to make assumptions about people. So they're like, what do you think about me? And they call on me, the, the instructor. These are strangers, right? Like These you are complete strangers. Okay. It's just me and like six other people and then the instructor. And he's like, all right, so we're going to call. And he's this dude from Boston. And he's like, hey, we're going to call. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to make assumptions about other people. It's like, Travis, what do you think about me? And I was like, um... You look like the guy from, from The Sixth Sense if you grew up and you haven't been doing very well. The kid? <laughs> yeah. He does look He exactly. fucking does, right? Yeah. Uh, Haley Joel Osment. Haley Joel Osment, And yeah. he goes, this isn't a roast. I was looking for like, <laughs> you look like you do IT. Or hey, you work make with- an assumption <laughs> about me. You know what, you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> you just like, went in on the teacher. I was teacher. like, oh, I thought we were in a comedy class. I was like, yeah. oh, I need a joke about this guy. And he's right. like, no, I just need like a basic assumption about Something you. you can work yeah. with. Yeah. So it comes around to me 
And I'm like, oh, here they go. They're going to say like, oh, this guy looks gay or this guy this. And like, they're going to hit me with yeah. all the things I'm insecure about. Right. Like, he looks like he spends too much time on his hair. Yeah. I'm like, oh, really? Thanks. <laughs> really? Or like, he looks like he's a youth pastor and everybody laughs. And then they, that's the thing that they give me. I remember you telling me that the first time you told me. And I was like, I don't see that at all for no. you. No. But apparently everyone else does. Someone also said manager at Long John Silver's, which I'm like, that's fucking see, now spot that, on. Yeah, I could fucking get that. I definitely yeah. look like I sell insurance. But uh, somebody said youth pastor, and that was the thing that was given to me. So you have to take the assumption about you and break it, and that teaches you how to write a joke. Right. So the next class I come back, and I've got my joke written. And it's basically, you know, people tell me I look like a youth pastor, um, you know, some filler, blah, blah, blah. And like, I, you know, I can't be because... Um, you know, I'm not allowed at church because of a restraining order. Right. You know, obviously there's a much bigger bit where like the punchlines yeah. are correct. Which one day we need to do like the first bit that we ever did. Oh, I've got it all recorded. We'll <laughs> fucking, we'll, like, we'll break down our bits. Yeah, we'll break down, which is something else that we're going to do here is um, some of the most famous bits, like the, the renowned bits, the ones that, you know, get isolated. Every, yeah. every comedian has a thousand bits, but. Also, a lot of comedians are known for a bit, and we're going to try to, at least once every episode, watch that bit along with you guys and break down what we think makes it funny because it helps us write, and it also kind of help you understand where where the funny is and some stuff. So that's something we're going to start doing every so We'll do one this one, too. I think that's going to be cool because we look at a lot of like bits that first we're like, fuck, how do you do that? It was magic. And now you look at it, and you're like, oh, I get it. That's a bait and switch. I see what he's doing there. If if anybody out there is considering doing stand-up and it's something you're interested in, 100% recommend doing it, even if you think you're going to suck, because the way you, once you have wrote a few jokes, even if they're terrible jokes, it doesn't matter. Once you've actually written a few jokes and you go back and watch stand-up that you've watched a thousand times, it like, for some reason, it's, for me anyway, and we talked about it already, I know it's the same for you, it's like a light switch. You look at it so different. Like, it used to be this mystical, like, dude, where does he come up with this? To, you watch it the day after you do stand-up, and you're like, oh, I see how he got there. It's so crazy how fast your head switches to, like, understand where their thought process was on some things. Yeah. So, I mean, some people obviously are still fucking amazing. Well, but, yeah. I mean, but, yeah, but it, but you can start to see like, Oh, I get it. There's actually structure in that. That's not just him yeah. as a human being, just a he's supremely some, funny being, not some like yeah. alien God or anything. He's, he's legitimately just another person who can find the funny faster or whatever. Yeah. And it really calmed me down a lot. Like, when you told me you were going to be doing an open mic, you went up the first time before well, I was ever there. Well, this is what happened. So I was going to go do the open mic. So, I mean, I go to the class and I have my bit and it's like, he's like, Trav, what'd you come up with? And I'm like, well, you know, people tell me I look like a youth pastor, uh, you know, and then I went into the whole thing and then he's like, you need to do that on stage tonight. And I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> not nah, Cause you know, I'm older now and I've got fucking stage fright and I'm like, I don't want to fucking embarrass myself in yeah. front of these people. I've got a job and no, I'm not doing it. He goes, you need to do it. He goes, and he kind of, more or less forced me to go on stage. Right. And I'm like, I'm not doing this. So and I was, he's did. like, just go up there, do the bit, do one minute and get off. Everybody else doing five, do one minute and get off. And I get up there and I do fucking seven minutes because <laughs> I just got up there and I was so nervous and I kept talking and I just kept, and it went really well. Like at yeah. an open mic, you know, sometimes you'll get a warm crowd where everybody's just laughing anyways. Yeah. So that's kind of what happened. But also I was doing good. 
Like I got up there and I was fucking, I don't know if I was just feeling myself, but I was like, I was right. ad-libbing and I was adding new jokes and stuff that I was coming up with on stage. I'd use still and I was kind of killing it. And once I got off stage, everyone's like, doesn't that feel amazing? I'm like, excuse me, I got to go fucking throw up. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Because everything crashed. We agree on most things when we're talking about comedy, but that's one of the things that like is completely different for you and me is my nerves for whatever reason manifest in as soon as I get off stage, I'm like nervous, but it's still that high, that feeling you immediately get nervous and feel sick and yeah. don't like, don't want to, it's a calm down that I'm not. Cause like a lot of I'm people, I'm on are, a high for sure. A lot of people off. are afraid of stage fright. And what I've noticed when you get stage fright, you will never need a cup of coffee. Cause you are fucking wired. Oh, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. It gives you all the energy in the world. And then it also helps you remember Cause you're not thinking about your taxes or your job the next day or whatever you got to do. You're thinking about, Oh, I don't want to eat shit up here. Cause like, it's a, it's a time warp when you get up on stage, man. What time did you, slows like, down. Did you feel that like the first time you 100%. go up on stage? I remember, of course, the first time you go up on stage, you know, I'm sure you did the same thing. Well, maybe not because you kind of got forced up there without really, but like the whole week before I went up, I had the the bit that I was going to do, which you know what it is. It's the, it's basically one story. It's a five minute story and it's a story that I've been telling for a decade and have killed you know at barbecues and bonfires and shit like that with it so i felt comfortable with the story but i had to break it down and bring it down to five minutes because it was way too long so i spent literally like i don't know four hours a day for like three straight days uh trying to memorize everything perfectly and i had it down to every word perfectly memorized until the night of, and then I fucking <laughs> like the three hours before I left to go to the club, like the whole time I was like, what do I say after that? What? And I was freaking out. I'm like, I'm not going to remember it. I'm not going to know where I'm going. I'm just going to get up there and start rambling. And as soon as you step foot on that stage, time just slows down. It's like, Oh, it feels like in between every word, you've got like three seconds to think about your next word. It's like, everything slows down. You're like, okay. And it just everything you're like, oh yeah, I remember what I gotta do. And it's the focus, like I guess it's a focus thing, but it feels like like you were saying a time warp. I think the goal, like everybody sets when I've talked to like people from stand-up comedy classes and other comedians, the goal is ten to twenty seconds in a five minute set. That's where you want to get your laughs. Yeah, every every ten to twenty seconds. Every ten to ten or every ten to or twenty seconds. And I go up there. And I'm not thinking about time. I just know that when I'm not getting a laugh, it's so fucking quiet. <laughs> yeah. So like I finally get a laugh and I can't even hear it because my I'm just blanking on everything. I'm like, I'm just so nervous. And I just keep stepping on all the punchlines. So yeah. one of the coolest things I ever did was just start recording on the sets. So when I got off, I'm like, fuck, I stepped on that laugh. Yeah. I'm like, I should have just. And then you see the pro comedians go up there, like the traveling touring mm -hmm. comedians. And you're like, Jesus. Do people know what they're doing? Their timing, their confidence. And. That's one of the most important things, too, is just confidence. There are people up there who go up there and look like they want to be on stage and they're happy to be alive. And yep. they go up there and have dog shit jokes. But ev everybody is waiting on every word they say. Oh, yeah. Because they're just confident. But then there's also people who go up there with fire material, but they're so nervous and they're looking down at the floor and doing all that. And it's distracting. Yeah. So it's almost like you'd rather be a better showman than right. a comedian sometimes a better performer than and that's like the great equalizer you know as you do open mics uh especially if you're going back every week you're going to see like 100 people try to tell jokes right and the thing i've noticed is if someone has really good material and poor stage presence they get the same amount of laughs as someone who's got terrible jokes but really good stage presence it's like the equalizer yeah and then i think your greats the people who make it 
are the people who have both. That's what it, that's what it boils down to. They're they're able to combine the two. And I still haven't figured out what I've got yet. I'm like I talked to you about it. I call it my superpower. Like yeah. what are, everybody's got strengths and weaknesses, and I'm trying to figure out what mine are. And everybody's told me I've got pretty good stage presence. Oh yeah. Nobody's ever been like, hey, you write funny shit. And I'm like, oh, well, that's <laughs> what I wanted you to say. But <laughs> be honest, you told me I was funny. No, yeah, I'm loud. Like, wow, I get you're, it. You're so good on stage. I'm like, you're. <laughs> but I'm like, okay, that makes sense because whenever we were kids and in school. And trying to make people laugh, you know, we, you know, people call it holding court or holding church right. when you stand around and you've got everybody waiting on your yeah. every breath. And like, I did that because I hated awkward silences. Yeah. When I was in, in school and people were talking and she got weird or awkward, I'm like, well, this is a little too uncomfortable. <laughs> like, so let's just go ahead and put on a song and dance and make sure everybody's laughing so we can't talk about the stuff I don't want to talk about. If, you know, if they were talking about, you know. Travis, why doesn't, you know, your dad drive a nice new truck? And I'm like, hey, fuck you, Billy. Your mom's a whore. Let's talk about that. Anyways, airline food. I remember, you know, we'd be on bus rides or whatever together growing up, and we usually tag teamed it. We were the duo of, like, holding court, like you yeah. were saying, you know. And I think that that still is reflected in our stage presence. Do you remember that FBLA trip we took? Fuck yeah. It's a future business leaders. <laughs> oh yeah. A lot of business leaders coming out of podunk fucking that's nowhere. How, that's how pathetic, <laughs> that's how fucking pathetic I am. That like a highlight of my life is a time on a bus where we just fucking murdered for like the this whole This is how trip. you know we're fucking, we were nerds back then too. Yeah. So we're on this bus trip. And it's just awkward because it's middle schoolers mixing with high schoolers and, yep. you know, fucking hormones. Kids are weird. They're yep. like looking at some chicks like titties fantasizing about whatever. And, and just hot take the future business leaders of America, <laughs> not the coolest kids in school. Nope. Yeah, general rule of thumb. <laughs> we just thought it was cool because that meant we got to take a trip, maybe get to eat a Cracker Barrel. I'm like, that yep. is a that's a good day yeah. out of school. And like it just got Still so weird day. to the point where you and me started just like, I don't know, like. You know, some people call it snaps. We're just roasting each other. Yeah. And then people were laughing and they're like, and then they were asking us, I'm like, okay, what else? What else? And I'm like, what do you mean? What else? And I was like, okay, all right. You guys want to hear a joke? And then you key up the aristocrats. Yeah. And we fucking made it the dirtiest. If you don't know the aristocrats, it's just an old joke where there's really not a punchline. And the whole goal is just to be as obscene and And filthy as possible. You just keep going in. There is no, it's an anti-joke is what it is. And it's a fucking great one, especially if you're tag team duoing it up and just go back and forth with the nastiest, most raunchy shit you can come up with. Bob Saget does a great job with great that. Job. But like whenever you'd get like fucking, whenever you would start running out of things to say, I could, I would pick up on it. I'm like, all right, let me take over. Yep. And then I would start saying stuff. And then whenever I'd be like, okay, that's, I'm running out of funny. I'm running, then you would take back over. It was so good. And we had them rolling forever. And then like, it never dawned us as like, Hey, maybe we could do this. Yeah. I'm like, no, it's just like, oh, that was pretty cool, right? Yeah, remember that time? That was good. <laughs> I think you can still see our dynamic in our stage presence now, though, because you're the high energy loud, like, look at me. Here's what I've got to say. And I kind of do this like sad sack thing where I'm like kind of quiet and like, yeah, this is fucking whatever. Almost like, like a straight man or something. Yeah. And I, I think we've done that for so long that that's why I still do it on stage. I've got to get my energy up. I know that. It's just so hard to do because when I'm in funny mode, and everybody has that, I think, like when you switch from like your everyday being yourself, doing your you know work, emails, phone calls, whatever, when you switch that over and become the funny guy, when I do that, I go into like this, like I'm almost disgusted by everything. Do you get that vibe when I'm doing that? Like, it's just like fucking this thing, this thing pissed me off over here. And I just do that shit a lot. See, what kills me is like in, in comedy, they call it a shtick. It's like Bill Burr's like he's the angry guy. Yeah. 
or you know, uh, Theo Vaughn's the weird country. Like, check out all these mannerisms right. I can make up. Everybody in like Burt Kreischer's the party guy. Yeah, Dane Cook was the high energy, yeah. fucking exaggeration guy. And uh, for me, it was like what always made it. Fun. I mean, like we grew up in like a really um, like we grew up in the Appalachian Mountains. Yeah. So we grew up around a lot of people that had a very rural, very rural. Thick the fact accent. that we have a comedy club is fucking mind blowing. <laughs> like well, that is not something I ever thought I'd see. I think see. we bonded too because we were pretty liberal growing up in a place that wasn't very liberal. I mean, it's hard yeah. to be liberal because they don't make a gluten free Slim Jim. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> not too liberal, just a little liberal. Just a little liberal. So it's like, I mean, I understand electric cars are going to save the world, but sometimes you just want to hear a Hemi roar. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we, uh, but that's my shtick is what I would do is I would start putting on a fucking accent. Yeah. And just making fun of those around me and it would kill. Yeah. You know, and that's what it makes me kind of nervous because it still kills. And like the thing is, I've been all over. I've been to like California. Yeah. I've been to other cities traveling for work and I would end parties with people. They think that's hilarious because it's it's easy to make fun of the southern here, accent. Here it gets I think it's you get a laugh everywhere with it, but I think it gets a different laugh. I'm not at a different time or anything during the bit, but like the laugh here is because people are like, oh, I relate to that. Yeah. I know that guy. And the people everywhere else is like, that's ludicrous that yeah. anyone would think like that. So it's like either a holy shit, that's a fucking wild thought or I know Bob. Like yeah. that's your two, that's your two laughs. There. I think for me, it's like an insecurity thing. It's like, I'm about to tell a joke. If it doesn't I don't go know if well. you're going to laugh. So if I do it in a different voice, yeah. you're not laughing at me. You know, like if you don't laugh, then it's not Travis that told the bad joke. It's, it's fucking the guy Jim Bob. The, yeah. The funny accent. Yeah. I don't. I don't think I don't think I code switch at all on stage. Do I? Do I? Have you noticed me doing that? Like no. changing my voice or anything? So there's things I've noticed on on so like when you're telling a joke, it seems like the basic premise of a joke is like you got to say something unexpected, right? So there's a bait and switch, or there's some sort of weird ironic turn to yeah. something that you didn't expect. Set up, and then there's the punchline, and then after the punchline, in a story or anything else, there's like an act out. And I like comedians better when they put on a voice when they're acting for other things like everybody yeah. does it yeah like true. chris Delia does his drunk girl voice right and you know burt kreischer when, or, i mean uh bill burr when he does a woman he like does it up a little bit higher like everybody does a voice some people do great impressions some people just do a voice so for me i lean on that redneck voice all the time yeah you ham it up a little but only when it's need you know yeah i was gonna say your your redneck voice comes into play sometimes when, when it doesn't no need, need yeah. yeah you're just telling your joke but you're doing it in a different voice like i got this joke where uh, and I got it from, I got a tag. A tag is like, so you tell a joke, the punchline's the punchline, the tag is when you keep it going. Yeah. So I'm talking about, uh, you know, trying to learn tips from porn, because yeah. I'm not good at sex. And a tag that somebody gave me was, um, you know, talking about, I can't learn anything from ethnic porn, because I don't exactly have a BBC, you know, on my regular white body. And he's like, you know what would be funny is if you say... um, I wish they would do penis sizes like McDonald's does. They got rid of the small, went straight to medium. Right. So I tried it on stage and it didn't really get a laugh. So my brain went to, you know, so I go like, yeah, that's why I wish we would do penis sizes the way McDonald's does. Got rid of small, went straight to medium. I'm a medium fry, honey. I have a medium fry. Thought I was going to get a laugh. No laugh. And that's my brain just said like, oh, throw this on there. And it's like, I'm about to walk my ass over to Starbucks. I'm a grande over there. Yeah. Got a laugh. I was like, yeah. that's cool. But I was unsure of the joke. So there's no reason... But I went, about to walk my ass over to Starbucks. Yeah. I'm a ground day over there. Yeah. So there's would. no re reason, reason for it's me like, to It's be. like your safety blanket. Yeah. Or something. 100%. If you could get rid of that, though, that'd be good. That's what makes me mad, too. It's like, so since we've been doing comedy, yeah. 
I've had a lot in of our people, illustrious long yeah, fucking, career. <laughs> eight weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I've had a lot of people how tell me pre- how fucking pretentious are we that we're like eight weeks in time, about to start podcast time to tell right the world idea. what we think god damn it see we just did it we just did it we did the voice <laughs> <laughs> like, you know ripped out tell the world they need to know about time to learn well I was doing it there not for the safety of the joke but because I wanted to show how stupid I'm being <laughs> so you know like sometimes you get mad at people who are not from a rural area because they get like that they think that we're all stupid, so they do a redneck accent to sound stupid. But I fucking do it too. Yeah. Like when I want to show how stupid I'm being, I throw on the hick. But in all fairness, I know a lot of small, you know, smart people who live around here. They don't have that accent. Yeah, they got rid of it because they're not fucking dumb. They all sound like my dad, and that's why I feel like I get to say it. <laughs> um, What'd you say? Would you? What, what was that word again? Well, how the fuck you say it? Specific, Dad. All right, well, that's what you, specifically you're queer. I like how it's not how is it said, it's how do you say it. How you say it, Dan. Yeah, like, well, oh my God. I have my way of saying it, but how do you say it? You know what's it? fucking weird is like I was thinking the other day too, I was like, I was like, how many words, like the reason I don't have such a huge accent is people are like, I mean, I've got one and it comes yeah. out, but it's not as bad as where I, what I should have. Right. And I was like, you know what? It's when I learned to read, I was like, oh, those words aren't pronounced that way. <laughs> yeah. And like the biggest one, was like, you know, chest of drawers. It was like Chester drawers. Yeah. Chester drawer. I'm like, I'm like, how do you even spell that? And they're like, oh, it's chest of drawers. Yeah. Or like people would say, I'm about to bust your hind end. I'm like, what the fuck is a hind end? Yeah. And H-I-N-E-N. Hind like, yeah. end. Oh, it's hind end. Yep. But we don't say those words. No. And there's so many things that I still fuck up and say wrong. Because, like, that's how I learned to say it. But then when you go to, like, write it down or text it to somebody, you're like, oh, that's not correct. Yeah, that's, oh, there's there's not even an autocorrect to help me out here. No. I must be saying that wrong my whole life. I didn't know. So, another question for you. What when, what point in your life did you decide you wanted to try stand-up? Or was it just you got thrown on stage? Or was it something you're always like, I'll do it one day? It had to be. I mean, it's something I've always wanted to do. Because, like, I love creating things like music. I make videos for YouTube. Like I like making things. The idea yeah. of like taking something in your brain and turning it into something real is cool. And the thing about comedy that was always so appealing to me was like with music, you play a song and at the end somebody claps if you did good or bad. And even yeah. if you suck, they clap. And that's voluntary. Yeah. You know, it's like whether you're good or bad, people will still clap. Right. Comedy is involuntary because you got to laugh. Right. So to make somebody laugh, it's instant. You don't have to wait till the end of the joke. You don't have to wait till the end of the song. It's as soon as you hit a punchline, boom, they laugh. Yeah. And it's involuntary. Instant so you, feedback. You get instant feedback. And yeah. I was like, that was cool to me because you get to create stuff out of your head. Because, like, you know, some people argue whether comedy is art or not. And what I think art is, is like anything that somebody creates that makes somebody feel a certain way. Yeah. And like the good art sticks with you. Like sometimes you'll see a movie and it doesn't have a happy ending. It's got a really fucked up ending, but you think about it for the next two weeks. You're like, oh, that was a good movie. That yeah. was a piece of art. Yeah, it had to be. Otherwise, and, you wouldn't still be thinking about or it. Or like imagine you're on your couch and you're dead asleep and you're so tired, but somebody plays a certain song. And you're like, man, I'm ready to run through a fucking wall right now, dude. Yeah. Like that's art. Like our pump up songs for drinking in college. Yeah. yeah. So the same thing with comedy is like you could be mean mugging me the entire show. And I could, I'm, I'm looking at you and I want to get you and I'm going to reach down inside of you and pull out a fucking laugh. Yeah. And to me, I'm like, oh, oh, that's the most rewarding thing ever because I made you do something involuntary. Yeah. Music, you know, you can, if you're good, you can make somebody feel a certain way. 
but you can't like right. if they clap that they still chose to do that. Yeah, you've never once like hicked up and fucking clapped. It's mm-hmm. not an involuntary thing like laughing. So the thing like about you're forcing them to do it. Yeah, even so, if it's against their will. So it was always something that was cool to me, but sounds I sounds a little rapey. Yeah, a little bit. Like I'm making <laughs> you do that, baby. And there's the voice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sticking with it. That's all I know. But um, no. So like I, I've always wanted to do it, and people have told me to do it. But after a while, when you get older, you're like, you're like I'm not 18 anymore. Right. It's you know I can't try this now. Like I'm too old to start something new. Yeah. And then this opportunity came up, and I go up on stage, do the bit, and I do okay. And people told me like, wow, was that your first time up on open mic? And then that was the worst thing they could ever fucking said to yeah, me. It was over then. That was the worst thing. They're like, was that your first time? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it was. Like, dude, you did really good. And from there on, it was like in my brain. I'm like, oh, I'm fucking built different. I'm made for this. I got to do it. <laughs> I remember you called me uh, when you first found out about the comedy class. I was like, hey, I'm going to take this class to learn how to write some jokes for the YouTube channel. I'm like, okay, cool. Let me know how it goes. And you're like, I think they're going to start doing open mics because you started the class basically as the club opened. It's a brand right. new club. So you started with the club. So we didn't know that there was going to be like a uh, open mic every Wednesday like there is now. We didn't learn that until after you were already in the class. I mean, I didn't even know it was there. Yeah, I just saw the flyer and I was like, all right, let's go take this class. Let's see what kind of crapshoot this is. And you you told me we're going to start doing um, every Wednesday. We're going to have open mics at the club. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Maybe we'll try it sometime because we talked a thousand times about doing uh, open mics at some point. It was in our always like somewhere. a fantasy, though. You know, yeah. It's always like you know the fantasy. It's one of the things we talk about, but no, we were never actually going to. It's do. like I can play guitar, and you see those YouTube videos of like somebody from Kiss pulling a dude up on stage to play guitar. I'm like, yeah, yeah fuck yeah. I always thought about like maybe, and I would never do this, but maybe I'm the guy that heckles a comedian. He's like, you think you can fucking do better? And then I go up there and I just do a type five. <laughs> yeah. <And> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Oh yeah, it makes me hard. <laughs> Check this shit out, bitch. <laughs> So I had always, I had always considered at some point I'm probably going to get on stage and try it like, but never really. You sort of did it though. Like on a cruise ship one time. Yeah, I was, I was going to get into that, but then you told me, you called me like the, after the night you did your first and you're like, so I did my first, I was like, you motherfucker. How did I was, I had never, ever like set a time or place that we were ever going to do it. Like, you know, there's a comedy club a couple hours from here. We could have went and done it at any point Anytime. in our life. But as soon as I found out you'd done it without me, I was so fucking mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker. How dare you try that yep. shit without me? And you told me it was like, it was awesome. It's exactly what we thought it was going to be. And you told me you killed. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going next week. Yep. And I'm immediately shitting bricks. You've already got that first one under your belt. So you get to be the guy like the seasoned vet in my world. Cause yeah. you're like, it's fine, man. You're going to go yeah. up. You're, there's going to be some lights. Just hit, explain everything to me. I'm like, okay, all right. And it, it's your fucking second time. You've done a total of five minutes of stage time. But to me, you had like well blown by me. You were already like in a whole nother realm of comedy for me because you'd already tasted that first fear too. Like, because I was in the class, like, cause if I had to go sign up on my own, I probably just wouldn't have fucking done it because yeah. like, I didn't know anything about a sign-up sheet or how it works or what a mic is. So, like, because I was – the class – the open mic started immediately after the class. Like, class ends ends, and then the sign-up for the open mic starts. Right. And then I was lucky enough, the owner of the club was like, hey, are you going to go up? And then he put my name down. That's not typically how it works. Right. If it's an open open mic where you don't have to, like, send in – you know, a, a 10 minute set and a headshot. Yeah, we're an- so, uh, that's something I've learned since we've been doing this is like talking to people who are away from here. We're so lucky we have the club that we have, yeah. the way that it works, because a lot of places you have to earn your time. Yeah. Like you either got to bark 
which is basically hand out flyers outside of a club until or you got to fucking play at a brewery or someplace that's not even a dedicated comedy club or bringer shows where you have to bring a certain number yeah. of people before they'll even let you on stage. So this place was awesome. This is a true blue open mic. You we're show we haven't up, earned anything. You show up and then you just fucking put your name on a list and yep. then you get to go up and it's that easy. Yeah. And like they're super accommodating. So like, but we go in, put the name on the list and it's just something we've kind of been doing. And I mean, you know, I, if it wasn't for like the class and me kind of getting my feet wet in there and talking to these people, I don't, I mean, I would have went up there and like, show me a notebook and I would have been like, I don't know. Fuck, I'm, I'm yeah. just, I'm going to go home. I'm so glad you went through it though. Cause you were able to like walk me through it. And, and it's weird too. Cause it's something that I wanted to do, but never had the balls to do it. Yeah. And then I kind of get thrown up there. And I'm like, fuck, I wish I would have done this 10 years earlier. And because you had done it, like the the little brother in me or whatever, like the whatever deep-seated bullshit's going on in my life, I was like, I'm not letting him do something I can't do. <laughs> so that, by you didn't getting forced, it forced me up. All I didn't right. have a choice. I did do on a cruise ship one time, uh, there was a stand-up comedian, and he was doing a night, like the fourth or fifth night of the cruise or whatever. He would let people come up and tell a joke. And I was like, man, that is so cool that he's willing to let somebody else. And then I found out it's probably just because he didn't have the material. <laughs> if you think about it, that's probably the only reason he was doing that shit. because he was like, well, I've got three nights of material. <laughs> so who wants to tell a joke? He's so, on a cruise. He's got the shits for meeting something at some <laughs> port somewhere. And he's like, man, I fucking this sucks. So, of course, because I'm obsessed with stand up, just like you, every when I'm on a cruise, every night that there's a show, I'm going. Uh, yeah. Even if it's the same guy over and over, it doesn't matter. Just I'm obsessed with it. Always have been. And he says, if you've got a funny joke, come after the show and tell me what joke you want to tell. And I'll let you come up. If it's good, I'll let you come up tomorrow night and tell it. So or you can tell me the joke and I'll tell it for you. Just like old jokes, you know, the the water cooler jokes, ones you've heard your whole life or whatever. So I went up and I told him too. He's like, oh, I love both of those jokes. I've heard them years ago. You got to come up and do them. Do them both. And I was like, oh, I get two jokes. <laughs> Guess I'm built different. <laughs> so I got, uh, I remember like th this is my first time you did music you did a band you performed on I didn't stage. do band I didn't have a fucking oboe in my hands dude. like <laughs> yeah, I, said you did, I said you did a I band I was in a band <laughs> I sound like your grandma <laughs> you do a band don't you, you? do band at the Walmarts <laughs> you were in a band yes. so you had performed in front of people and on stage the very first time I ever put feet on a stage and said anything to a room full of strangers was on this cruise ship so I'm in my room cabin closet whatever you fucking call it <laughs> state room <laughs> yeah, and i'm just going over a joke that i've told a thousand times and it's just a it's it, you guys have probably heard the joke i know you've heard it voodoo it's dick voodoo dick and i also did the uh fuck it i'll do the dishes oh okay um so i, I so tell just them, regular joke jokes yeah just jokes like this thing you know why the chicken cross the road you get the, yeah. that type of joke not bitch you've writ, wrote written wrote. written writing i've heard it both ways <laughs> These are like just regular ass jokes and I'm going over it like I'm about to do my first fucking this is this is my you Madison, set on Fallon. <laughs> this is my Madison Square Garden, right? And there's like, you know, 40 people in there and this is a big fucking deal to me and I step up on stage and the lights are in my eyes and there's the stool sitting beside of me and you know, they got the backdrop and it feels like every comedy special I've ever seen or every YouTube clip I've ever watched. You can't see anybody. The lights are directly in your eyes. You can't see anybody out there. And they just hand me the microphone and I'm, I've went, there's like four people went before me and I just start telling my joke. And the bad part about a joke joke instead of a bit is there's only one laugh and it's at the end of the joke. Like you don't get little pieces throughout right, like yeah. you do a bit. 
So I tell the first one, I don't remember which one I did first. And there's just a roar of laughter. And it was like that second. I was like, oh yeah, that's that good <laughs> shit right there. <laughs> and, uh, I was like, all right, I got one more for y'all. Like I was, I was a better fucking ad. Like I got one more for y'all. Like I'm fucking doing foul. And like yeah. he said, I do the other joke roaring laughter. The guy takes the mic, gets ready to go. The next person goes, I'd fucking hate to follow that. Good luck, buddy. And I was like, you goddamn right. You yeah. would <laughs> enjoy following me with two jokes that are on the internet <laughs> in a joke book somewhere. Oh yeah. No, like, so the first time I go up, um, I don't hear the laughs like, but I get off and everybody was, you know, kind of sucking my dick. Like, Oh, you did so good. You did yeah. see that. And then just being complimented. I'm like, Oh, it's just cause it's the first time they want me to think that I did good. And then I thought I did terrible. Yeah. Because I'm like, I didn't hear the first laugh. And then I watched the recording. I'm like, no, I did exactly what it was weird because it was my first time up. But it was like it was a polished bit because it was a a laugh every 10 seconds. Yeah. And I've talked to the audience. I did everything I was supposed to do. Stage presence was okay. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, when I was on stage, I didn't hear a single laugh. It was just crickets the entire time. Yep. I didn't hear well, that's the same thing that happened to me after like I, the first time I went up and did my own stuff, my own written material. First time I did an open mic, actual stand up, not the cruise ship two jokes is I felt like I killed the whole time I was up there. I felt like I was killing. I stepped off stage. I was like, I murdered that crowd. I'm a fucking man. Like I felt great the whole time. And from that point forward, I felt like shit forever. Like I did the same exact five the next week. And felt like, eh, it didn't really go as well as it did the previous <laughs> week. And then I wrote some new material and it didn't go even, it did, went even worse. And then I did some more stuff and it went even worse. And there was this big downhill before it came back uphill, which we'll get into more in the future. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll probably start showing some of our bits and breaking them down. Like, yeah, it sucks because we're so new. It's not like we've got a, you know, just a uh, backlog. Let like, me hey, show you the beautiful art. This here. is the hour I threw away. Yeah. Like, we don't have like a ton of like jokes to get rid of. Which but. I think is good because this is the type of thing that I was looking for yeah. when I first got into this is I wanted someone like, I, I don't want to, don't get me wrong. I love two bears, one cave and I love the Joe Rogan. I don't want to hear seasoned vets who've been doing theaters and arenas for 20 years to tell me how to do comedy. No, like I want to talk to you about, this is why I thought this would be funny. Yeah. This is why it didn't work or why it did work. Yeah. And like, that was, I don't know, it's like a weird goal I had in my head. When I started doing this, I was like, okay, you know, I did the bit that they gave me. Now I need to do a story. So I did a story. I'm like, now I need to do crowd work. So I try to do that. Now I need to do, an, you know, I tried to like check off all the types of jokes. Right. Yeah. There's like, there's like analogy. There's like Well, a there's no comic like, that doesn't do them all. Yeah. That's so, what I'm saying. Like, if you're going to be really good, like Anthony Jeselnik will do his one-liners all day yeah, long. he doesn't have a whole lot of story stuff. It's something special, like that he does that. But most of your like big, big, big comedians that are super yeah. enjoyable. If I'm going to listen to you for an hour, I got to be able to listen to the whole thing. So yeah. It's got to be stories. It's got to be jokes. It's got to be personal experiences. It's got to be crowd, the whole thing. So I wanted to get up there and do that. And I kind of made it like this personal little mission to get up there. And I would love to like, as I was getting started, you know, two months ago, <laughs> I would love to hear somebody <laughs> Back talk. Back in the day. I would love to hear somebody like talk about like, this is why I decided to do this. This is why this joke maybe works. Yeah. This is why this doesn't work. Right. So, I mean, like, even though these bits are new and we may continue to use them, like, it's not like I have any disillusions of being on Fallon right, or yeah. something like that. This is just something I really enjoy doing. I've had a ton of fun doing it. So if I have to show some bits and lose. Yeah, it's not, I'm not cares? worried about losing a bit. No. I mean, also, if, it's, <laughs> like, if, there's, yeah. if there's any bit that's so good that somebody wants to steal it. If it's on the internet, like, prove it's ours to begin with. Sometimes ideas just don't work. Like I, I, <laughs> yeah. Comedians come out to music. 
a lot of times it's like oh, this God. fucking music oh. and it just it's like they'll this. go cut the music or like all right cut it and i'm like that's so cool i want to do that so i go out on this open mic i don't know if you know this they don't play custom walkout music at an open mic so i'm like fuck it i'll make my own i start beatboxing to the mic oh my I'm just god like, i'm like all right Cut it and been like fucking crickets. And I was like, everyone well, just stared at him. What the fuck is wrong with this? But I guy? had to walk and put the mic stand back and pretend I'm walking back on stage. And it's a lonely walk when you know immediately that this is a bad idea. And Tom slows down. So I'm up there for like five fucking minutes. I I'm told like, this you, is. I told you for three days, dude, don't do it. I'm it's like, not going to work. work dude. And because you're so stubborn and <laughs> you're like, nah, I'm going to fucking well, show the week you. before. So, like, I've got this joke that I want to do, and he's like, I think that's a little too much. I don't know if I would do that, because it was kind of a, a risque, dirty joke or whatever. And we'll talk about hack and, and things like that later on. Like, this wasn't that. This was just a, a dirty joke that's kind of unique. I but thought he needed to tone back a little bit on the phrasing to keep it from being too gross. Yeah, but the word that I wanted to use hit on everything I was trying to say. It, it you know, and I'm a big fan of economy of words. If you can say it all in one word and people know what you mean. Oh, and it killed. Do it. It and I perfect. get up on stage and I say it and it fucking kills. I'm like, everybody told me not to say it. And it fucking murdered. It's still one of my biggest laughs. And I'm like, okay, but then was- I think beatboxing is going to be fucking funny. I'm going to get up there and I'm going to beatbox. Hey. And guess what didn't happen? <laughs> nobody laughed and nobody gave a shit. It was kind of like, look at me. But I had to make that lonely walk to the edge of the stage. Because I'm like, it'd be kind of cool if I had fucking intro music like a real comedian. I walked to the edge of this very small stage. I walked to the edge of it and I had to walk four feet back to the center, beatboxing by myself the whole oh, way. It and it was so lonely. And I'm like, I've already committed. I just got to, you know, I just got to batten down the hatches. I got to wade through the storm. I got to make it. And it was so embarrassing. It was like a train wreck. <laughs> Like, cause I'm in. I watched. I was there. And then I gotta I get him back. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm like, just hey, watching. So who wants to talk about my mother? <laughs> like, what the fuck? What's the deal with airline food? Oh man. Oh my. God. It was such a disaster. It was, it was hilarious. Anyways, right. so I think with this podcast, like I said, we've been trying to. Talk, we're going to break down our bits in the future, and I think it's cool to try to demystify and show you what. Hey, once you actually get up on stage, what you think is magic isn't really magic there's a there's a method to the madness so we're going to break down some bits one of the bits that we first connected on yep. and talked about because we knew it word for word was off the blue collar comedy towards ron white's tater salad famous yep. story one of the best probably his most well-known bit at this point i've still still to this day i would say even though it happened in God, what was it 2006 well, seven, since like, like jerry that. clower there's not like a ton of like storytelling comedians yeah. which i think i pull a lot from ron white unknowingly yeah so we're going to watch this bit. We're going to play it, you know, all the way through, and then we'll go back and break it down. Yep. So if you're listening to just the audio version, you'll be able to hear it. It's going to play through now. If it's the video version. If you're on the video version, go watch it now by we'll yourself. link it in the description We'll have below. a link in the description for it. But we're going to watch it all the way through, and then we'll go back and break it down. So. I got thrown out of a bar in New York City. Okay. Now, when I say I got thrown out of a bar, I don't mean somebody asked me to leave. We walked to the door together, and I said, bye, everybody, I got to go. Six bouncers hurled me out of a nightclub like I was a Frisbee. Those big old bouncers that go home every night, watch Roadhouse and beat off. You know what I'm talking about? Patrick Swayze's hitting another guy. (laughs) 
for wearing a hat. I walk into a bar with a hat on. This guy real pissed. He goes, took off the hat. <laughs> I'm like, what's the deal? He goes, I'll tell you what the deal is. Faggots in this area wear hats. We're trying to keep them out of a club. I'm like, oh, really? The only way we can tell down south is if they have their hair cut like <laughs> yours. I like a bunch of angry chippets. Like and he got chippets. all pissed. <laughs> but he walked away, and I took the hat off, and like an hour later, I'd been drinking, and I forgot. You ever forget? It happened to me. I put the hat back on. The guy comes over to me. Now, I'm between 6'1 and 6'6, six, six, depending on which convenience store I'm leaving. I weigh 235 pounds. This guy comes over to me, poking me in the shoulder with two fingers, says, you're out of here. I'm like, I don't think so, Scooter. <laughs> and I was wrong. <laughs> they hurled my ass. And then they squared off with me in the parking lot, and I backed down from the fight because I don't know how many of them it would have taken to whip my ass. <laughs> but I knew how many they were going to use. It's a handy little piece of information to have right there. Overkill. Well, they called the police because we broke a chair on the way out the door, and I refused to pay for it. And the cops showed up, and at that point, I had the right to remain silent, <laughs> but I didn't have the ability. <laughs> The cop says, Mr. White, you are being charged with drunk in public. <laughs> I'm like, hi, 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 hi. I was drunk in a bar. They threw me into public. I don't want to be drunk in public. I want to be drunk in a goddamn bar, which is perfectly legal. Arrest them. Well, he didn't arrest them. Instead, they call in for my arrest record. <laughs> There's some good news. Satellites are linking up in outer space. Computer banks at NASA are kicking on. There's a telegraph in Fritch, Texas going, <laughs> this part takes a while. <laughs> Shorthand. Beep. Now, I told you that story to tell you this story. When I was 17 years old, I was arrested for being drunk in public. <laughs> Seemed to be a pattern. <laughs> if you knew Morse code, you would already know that. <laughs> and one DWI, which was a bogus charge, because it turns out they were stopping every vehicle traveling down that particular okay. sidewalk. Yep. <laughs> and that's profiling, <laughs> I believe. And the drunken public charge in Fritz, the arresting officer, who... I had literally known all my life. You know what I mean? This guy lived four doors down from me in a town of less than 400 people. We've met. <laughs> he takes me to jail. When we get there, he asked me if I have any aliases, and I was just being a smart ass and said, yeah, 
They call me Tater Salad. <laughs> 17 years later in New York City, I'm handcuffed on a bench with blood coming out of my nose. And this cop goes, are you Ron <laughs> Tater Salad White? <laughs> you caught me. You caught the tater. <laughs> you can take down those roadblocks now. I call my son Tater Tot. All right, so we're going to play it back through and do some pausing and breaking down. Um, one of my favorite bits. Classic. Yeah. It's It still makes but now me... Now that up. I watch it, after like doing stuff, I'm like, oh, I see what he did there. And yeah. then also... It's totally different lenses. Did you see where he was like trying to... There's a part in there where he... We'll get there. there yeah, there's a part in there where he would, wanted to laugh and I didn't get it. I got thrown out of a bar in New York City. Instantaneously, everyone knows the bit already. You yeah. can tell because everyone's pumped Cheers. about it. Like, they know what part's coming. And here's the thing about Ron White, too. Because of his voice, mannerisms, how he, like, he's got a whole persona. Yeah. He's just funny. He can just say stuff that most people wouldn't now, get a laugh Now, when I say I got thrown out of a bar, I don't mean somebody asked me to leave. We walked to the door together, and I said, bye, everybody. I got to go. <laughs> Six bouncers hurled me out of a nightclub like I was a Frisbee. I think it's important right there that he says, I got thrown out of a bar. And when I say I got thrown out of a bar, I guarantee you he thought about saying bar again right there. Six bouncers hurled me out of a nightclub like I was a Frisbee. Yeah. The fact that he switches and doesn't say bar again, I think that's important. Yeah. The, the you, different word for the same thing. Because he doesn't want to get repetitive. Yeah. And I think like... They hurled man out there like a frisbee. It could have been anything, and he's picking frisbee because it's a funny word. And the way yeah. he says it, because he's got that overdone Texas draw like yeah. a frisbee, like, like a frisbee. He's gonna make so many people laugh just on the fact that he's fucking saying it in a weird word. And you know, yeah, that frisbee's a funny word anyway. Yeah. So that with his Texas inflection, it's even better. Those big old bouncers that go home every night watch Roadhouse and feed off. You know what I'm talking about? It's a dated reference. You couldn't do that right Patrick now. Patrick Swayze's hitting oh, another this guy. Joke written, this joke was written right now. Like if like, people didn't already know the joke. Yeah, TikTokers don't know about Roadhouse, which yeah. they should. But see, this is like a classic act out. So he says, you know, it's funny because there's those big old bouncers that go home and beat off yeah. to Roadhouse. And then he does the, the act out. It's like, oh, Patrick Swayze's hitting another dude. Oh. Yeah. That's classic. Like you, do, you get your setup, your punchline, and then he acts it out. That's great. <laughs> he doesn't even do it. I think it's I think it's unique. He doesn't do a jack off motion there. How many comics do a bit about jacking off and they do something? He doesn't. He rolls his eyes back in his head. He yeah. He's purely acting out the orgasm. I think it's because he doesn't want to be for wearing a hat. I walk hack, a like everybody else does that. Got real pissy. Goes took off the hat. <laughs> There's another actor. Like, what's the deal? He goes, I tell Worst you what you New York accent. Faggots in this area wear hats. We're trying to keep them out of. We shouldn't say that word. Yeah, you can't say that word anymore. Like, oh, really? The only way we could tell down south is if they have their hair cut like your. And because of his. Demi- like the look fucking. At that, <laughs> look, look at him just angry chicklets. <laughs> just like. It's like a group of teeth that are all like crowded in the front. Like, let me in front! <laughs> Holy shit, look at that grill. Goodness gracious. Oh my god, mama, look at that grill. <laughs> anyway, what were you saying? Um. I was saying he can get away with what he's like. That's probably not a joke most people are going to get a laugh with, but because he pauses and like people are waiting for what he's, he's just a likable guy. He also, to his credit, even though he dropped the hard F word there, 
to his credit, he was pretty progressive for the blue collar comedy tour. Right. Because he's got a pro gay joke and he's got a joke about how his friend is gay because he watches. You remember the thing about watching porn? He's like, you like seeing a small oh, yeah, yeah. F- half flaccid penis? No, I want the guy to have a big hard call. I mean, I guess it's it, you could probably you he might still be able to get away with that joke. I mean, obviously, you know. He's probably still going to do tater salad, yeah. but it's because he's not saying it. So it's someone else said, I think and he took offense to it. This this clip isn't from the Blue Collar show. This hit on. He blue, said gay people in the club. I think he said gay gays in this area where. He also left out um, another punchline that I really like in other versions. I think we're getting there. Yeah, we'll get there in a second. He's proud of that one. Yep. And he got all pissed. <laughs> But he walked away, and I took the hat off like an hour later. I'd been drinking, and I forgot. You ever forget? Happened to me. <laughs> I put the hat back on. The guy comes over to me. Now, I'm between 6'1 and 6'6, depending on which convenience store I'm leaving. That's... That is small. Okay, so two things happened there. He said, ever forget? It happened to me. You yeah. know, And that's something that people can take home and just say. It's yeah. a funny thing to say, and they, they can have that. I happen. forgot. You hey, ever forget? It happened to me. Happened to me. And then yeah. the great part of this joke is like, when you can do smart comedies, like, like the to me, the best form of comedy is when you can make people think of something that's mundane in a different way. Yeah, everybody's walked out of a gas station and seen those fucking uh, height, height meters. Yeah, you know, it's to help you in case there's a robbery. Yeah, and he's like, can... I'm between six one and six six, depending on what gas station you're leaving, because those things are never accurate. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, that's hilarious, right? Because you know, he's it tells you a lot about him, the fact that. He's noticed that, and yeah. also he's in a lot of gas stations. He's you know probably pretty rural area, all that stuff, because that's the only time you see those tapes. Yeah, is in the shitty gas stations. So for the comedy world, he all he had to do is what he's trying to get across is I'm not a small person. Yeah, you're not gonna be able to throw me out easily. Yeah, but by saying I'm between six one and six six, depending on which gas station you're leaving, is the best possible way to say that. Oh yeah, he took something that was filler but necessary information to get to his next joke, and he made it a joke. And he's also proving that he's not like a, a, a small diminutive guy without being like, look how fucking tough I am. Yeah, like he's doing it in a funny way. Yeah, that's the best way he could have handled it. I weigh 235 pounds. This guy comes over to me, poking me in the shoulder with two fingers, says, you're out of here. I'm like, I don't think so, Scooter. <laughs> it's just funny because Scooter's a funny word. Yeah, especially that's, that that's all that text is. Text Scooter. I don't think so, Scooter. I think in another version, I think he says fucker. I think. I mean, he's been doing this shit for, I bet. I bet Tater Salad's been That's the crazy for, thing, too, is like, I've done the same bit on stage, you know, several bits. I've done them. I've redone yeah. them multiple times. I've repeated well, bits. Yeah. And the laughs you get at certain points versus others, or when you're up there, you're like, I think I'm going to change it to this in the moment, and it might work or it might not. Is So I bet doing this story night after night, city after city, I bet he's got a million different versions. Oh, I'm sure. I, I guarantee you he spends more time telling tater salad different ways than he does working new material sometimes. Right. And I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) They hurled my ass. And then they squared off with me in the parking lot, and I backed down from the fight because I don't know how many of them it would have taken to whip my ass. But I knew how many they were going to (laughs) use. See, right there, whenever you see a comedian take a sip, that means they're expecting 
a punchline. Yeah. They're expecting a laugh. Yeah, there's going to be. That's a- not a punchline. It's like I don't know how many comedians, you know, I don't know how many bouncers they're going to use to beat my ass, but I know how many they're going to use. Yeah, how many it would take him, but I don't know how many they're yeah. going to use. Yeah. That's not exactly funny, but the because he said it in this story, and everybody, I mean, look at that crowd. <laughs> yeah. Whole lot of, yeah, whole lot of empty mouths in that crowd. But you look, and then that is a line that these people are, these dudes in the front row especially, are itching to go home and use on their friends. They oh, can't yeah. fucking wait. Oh, yeah. Also, uh, not for nothing, not a lot of diversity in that crowd. Nope. Just a lot of dudes with goatees and mustaches. <laughs> and mall caps. Not I that think I that's talk, a female right there to the right of the bald dude. Uh, that's unfortunate she, for her. Because <laughs> she looks just like the dude to the left of the bald dude. <laughs> that looks... That's a very unfortunate looking lady. This is like a catalog of uh, failed dreams and shitty haircuts is what this is. <laughs> but they eat his shit up and we did too. Look at that Buddy, dude right there with his uh, fucking pit viper, macho man, Randy Savage sunglasses in the second row there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, oh, it's Richard Petty. It's dark, brother. <laughs> we ate this shit up at 12 years old, though. you damn right. <laughs> we were We repeated this a thousand times to each other. It's a handy little piece of information to have right there. Over it's a tag. You got to laugh, and he just well, kept going. Well, called the police because we broke a chair on the way out the door, and I refused to pay for it. And the cops See, up. right there, that's the thing yep. I was telling you about. I hate that there's a, I guess maybe he added it later, or maybe he forgot it during this. I don't know where this set is or whatever, but there's a tag that goes on the end of that that I absolutely love. It's one of my favorite parts of the joke where he says, um, the cops were called because I refused to pay for a bar stool. And normally he has a tag there that says, and I refused to pay for it because we broke it over my thigh. I think that's such a smart way of saying yeah. that they beat your ass. Yeah. They whipped my ass. Yeah. I love that. And it's hilarious. Yeah. And that's a lot of the jokes you'll get. Like I said, it's what you're not expecting. So that's like an ironic joke. You're like, you know, I refuse to pay for it because we broke it over my thigh. We, yeah. it's like we're a group now, but it's yeah. my, yeah. That's smart. That's really good. Really good way to write that. And at that point, I had the right to remain silent, but I didn't have the ability. See, that's another punchline where it's not exactly a punchline, yeah. but because he says it in his stick, people just want to laugh at it. That's why they're cheering well, also, right now. I think the crowd has a lot to do with it there, too, because it's like that was the big hit for them. Yeah. Is that I had the right to remain silent, but I didn't have the ability. I think, it's because half of those people have been drunk and cussed yeah. a cop. Like they're, they relate really. A heavily. lot of his stuff, it's quotable stuff that they're going to take home. Like, man, I wish I had this on a t-shirt or a bumper sticker. Yep. He, and like, that's, I guess, you know, comedians will suck their own dick sometimes saying like, I'm a modern day prophet. You know, we think about things in a weird, and like he does, he's thinking about things that rednecks have thought of, Yeah, but he's, Framing it in a in a funny way that's nice and concise, and he's giving him a package to take it home with. Right. It's like, hey, you've ever wanted to yell at a cop? Well, here's how you could say that. I had the right to remain silent. Says, Mr. White, you were being ability. charged with drunk in public. I was like, hi, 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 hi. <laughs> that's such a good drunk I voice. I was drunk in a bar. They threw me into public. I don't want to be drunk in public. I want to be drunk in a goddamn bar. <laughs> Which is perfectly legal. Arrest them. <laughs> I don't think that got the pop it deserved. But see, that's another thing. That's a non-joke. There's not like it's. Yeah, but still, I it, think he's getting a laugh at the hey, 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 because it's funny. Yeah. And then you know, I didn't want to be drunk. You know, he's just saying things that these people have all thought and felt. Like a lot of these people sympathize with that. Yeah. If he did this joke at freaking, you know, some you know the Hamptons or something, it's right. probably not going to kill. Yeah. But these That's people true. have all been there. Yeah. We've been there. So like him saying that is like, oh, I get it. 
and he's just framing it in a way that's nice for him. I just I feel like that should have got a bigger pop right there. I, I love that part. Well, he didn't arrest them. Instead, they call in for my arrest record. There's some good news. <laughs> Satellites are linking up in outer space. Computer banks at NASA are kicking on. There's a telegraph in Fritch, Texas going, this is, this is interesting, man. Stop it. This part okay. takes a while. Pause real quick. So whenever he first does that, it's funny because he's making a silly voice. So he gets a little bit of a laugh. But then he keeps doing it. For far too long, and then people start cheering. Yeah. Which once again, that's voluntary. Right. They decided like, oh, let's give it up to him because this is cool. We yeah. like it. He's going forever on it. And then he stops, and he does it again, and then he gets a laugh because yeah. people are like, oh, he's got to be done with it. He's been doing this shit forever. The end of this right here, uh, I, I noticed it on the first time he's going to do like one last beep. Oh yeah. And he looks up because he's expecting, expecting a big a pop. pop right there, and he gets nothing. <laughs> Doesn't for get it. it. That, that's good. Cool. First, people who know what shorthand is. Beep. Nothing. I was 17 years old. I was arrested for being drunk in public. I like this right here because uh, there's a timestamp here. We're four minutes into his five and a half minute bit. And he says, I told you that story to tell you another story, which is horse shit. The main story is the getting thrown out of a bar part. Right. This is the part. That is the filler, but he had to reorganize. I guarantee you when he first started writing this, he started by telling that bit as the, I got arrested for drunk in public in Texas. I told him I was tater salad. Then I got thrown out. I guarantee you he started with the other way around first time around. I don't know. And then he decided that he was going to go back and do the New York story first and then say, I told you that story to tell you this story. And so that I've noticed about stories too, it's like people who tell stories have been doing it for a long time because unlike a bit... You can shave the fat, and you can punch things up pretty quickly, but uh, a story seems like it takes a long time to season and get right. Yeah. Be a pattern. If you knew Morse code, you would already know that. A little callback. And one DWI, which was a bogus charge, because it turns out they were stopping every vehicle traveling down that particular sidewalk and that's profiling. That is textbook. That's just your I textbook believe. joke right there. Yeah. He's got a story, but he put it as a joke in there. It's yeah. like false expectations. It's like, all right, what's the setup? He goes, you know, one DWI charge was bogus. Okay, why was it bogus? He goes, because they were stopping every car on that, and you assume he's going to say road or street, and he says sidewalk. A little bit of a bait and switch. Boom, yeah, bait and switch. So you, you know, it's then he un- throws two tags on there. Yeah. yeah. I, I do think that that, like, I like looking at the whole thing, like the whole story and seeing what part, like, I, that part right there. I bet you that was a joke beforehand that like he had and didn't have a place for it. And he's like, Oh, I'll put it, it in punch that. Out and my just joke. Yeah. That, throw it in the end. Cause that's the problem with stories. Stories have a beginning, a middle and an end. And a yeah. lot of times people are waiting for the end. So he's like, I need fucking, I need some jokes. I need some laughs. I'm going a long time without somebody laughing. So let me throw some jokes in here. Right. So that's why he's like, let me take this joke from elsewhere and put it right here. Cause I've got a lull right here. Yeah. Cause that's just a standard setup punchline tag joke. And the drunken public charge and Fritz, the arresting officer, who I had literally known all my life. 
You know what I mean? This guy lived four doors down from me in a town of less than 400 people. We've met. <laughs> you ever notice he some people me, say, you know what I mean, or you know? Yeah. It's almost like they don't have faith in the bit. Yeah, maybe. Because he had that great pause in timing. He's like, who have lived, you know, you know what I mean? Who I have literally known all my life. There's I think like he a big was, pause right there. I think he was expecting a pop there and didn't get it. So he goes, you know what I mean? And then he's like, oh, I think when something you'll notice a lot when comics aren't hitting the punchlines they expect, you're getting the laughs they, they expect, they start speaking quicker to get to that's, the next punch. That's That seems fair. I, I have a couple of places where I say, you know what I mean in my stuff. Some of it's written because for the same reason that I think he did it right here, it might not be because he's losing his joke or he, he doesn't have faith in it, but it's, if I'm going to repeat something in a different way, I feel like I need a clarifier in there. That's like, here's why I'm not just going to say it twice. Right. Like I've literally known him all my life. We grew, I feel like if you go right into it, it's like, you know what I mean? We grew up like, yeah. here's another way for me to say what I just said. That's why I do it. I think that's why he did it right there to jail when we get there he asked me if i have any aliases and i was just being a smart ass and said yeah they call me tater salad now first question do you think this is a true story do you think he actually got arrested and told somebody he was tater salad i feel like most stories like because it's like the thing about comic stories like if you're gonna make something up why wouldn't it be so fucking fantastical that it was like you know, like, yeah, they call it, you know, I got arrested on Blowjob Island, you know? Yeah. It's a pretty mundane story. So I think it probably is a real tame story that has, that he probably did say that. He probably did say, yeah, they call me Taylor Shallot. And then he's just punched it up yeah. and exaggerated and made it this giant yeah. hyperbolic fucking awesome story that we know today. My question is, do you think he workshopped Tater, tater Salad? Do you think do you think he went through some other things before he came up with tater salad, or do you think that's the true no, story? No, I think it was tater salad. I mean, it's a funny word, but I think if he was going to say something like, yeah, they call me, I mean, maybe. I feel like it's uh, tater salad's like, to me, that's the only thing that seems genuine, and the other stuff is probably swapped a little bit. But is that because that's how you know the bit? Is that because it's become synonymous with the bit in your head? That's like that's a question I'm asking myself. No, because it's like the other stuff seems like it could change, like location, time, and place. I feel like the only thing that's like consistent in all the versions well, that's I've heard it's the best. That's the thing the joke's known for. But if he had said they call me, you know, chocolate pudding, in that position right there, we would all know this joke as chocolate pudding. Right? Is it is it synonymous with it just because that's how we heard it, or do you think? My question is, do you think he actually told a cop his name was Tater Salad, or is it something that he went through a list of other food items before that's he came up with That's something that's funny, t- too, because like, it's obvious it's a story. He probably told it to a bunch of people before he ever decided to bring it on stage. Right. But, like, yeah, I see what you're saying. I'm like, is this something he sat down, pen and paper, and like, Tater Salad, Tater Casserole, whatever the yeah. hell, Chicken Salad. Well, he also, throughout his act, calls back to that a ton. Like He does it right at the end of this, too. He goes, I call my son Tater Tot. Uh, and then there's another joke later on on the blue collar set. I don't know if he does it on this one here or not, but where he's talking about his bulldog, he said he likes to hide M&Ms and shit in his jowls so that when he wakes up, he's got a nice little treat to wake up with. He's like, I love watching him because he'll be like, going to be a good day, Tater. Like his dog calls him Tater in yeah. his mind or whatever. So he keeps calling back to it. Maybe he really did do that in his that's whole what I'm life. Saying, like, the only thing that seems legitimate to me is the Tater Salad. Everything How great else- is it that that's such a funny word too? Yeah, like tater, tater salad, salad is like great. 
Like if he'd said, you know, anything else that wouldn't have been as But funny. also if it wasn't for that, anybody that's grown up in the South, like that's just what it is. It's tater salad. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, okay, that's just a yeah. dish that shows up at funerals, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love tater salad. Though. Me too. There it is. 17 years later in New York City, I'm handcuffed on a bench with blood coming out of my nose. And this cop goes, are you Ron Tater Salad White? <laughs> you caught me. You, you caught, caught the, the tater. 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 You can take down those roadblocks now. <laughs> I call my son Tater Tot. <laughs> and Poot. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like, I don't know. It's fucking it's a great joke. It's such a good joke, and <clears throat> he's so well known for it. Like, yeah. I think at some point I'd love to have a bit where it's like so, it's like my bit. Like, you know, you've got a ton of them. We'll go over a bunch of them, like Ron White with Tater Salad and uh, Burt Kreischer with, with the, the machine. machine and like things like that. Like, I sometimes think like it'd be cool to get to that point where I'm super known for a bit, but then at the same time, you're going to have to do it Every time you're on stage, like I guarantee you, I know Burt Kreischer still does it because I've seen it. He still ends most of his shows with the machine. Like I guarantee you, Ron still does tater salad. It's like at some point, do you get tired of getting jokes for or getting laughs for the same joke? Or is it still just as good a laugh as any? Or you, I guess it's like the whole, uh, you know, like musicians saying like they don't want to play their hits. I'm like, yeah, but that's what people came for. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, yep. I guess what's better about this than playing a song that people have heard over and over and over, like you're telling a story, like this is a story that's real to him at least. So he gets to tell a story. Like how many times have you been out in public and someone's like, Oh, Hey man, tell that story about that time we did this. And you're like, okay. And it's never like, no, I don't want to tell it. I've told it too much. Right, yeah, it's, it's like, always, I can't wait. Like a, well, like my, yeah, my, cause my. like, that's, what's cool about that too. Unlike a song, like it is a piece of you. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? So you get to tell, Something that's unique to you. No one else has got that. No one else has been handcuffed and had yeah, the tater salad thing. Because that's something that I learned, like, from the the instructor of our comedy class, you know, the owner of the club. Whenever um, I was going to go up and I was opening for a traveling comedian, I'm like, all right, well, what should I do? And he goes, well, I like this one bit you've got that's a story about, uh, you know, growing up in a trailer. Yeah. And I was like, uh, and it's kind of a unique story that's unique to me. Not many kids had this experience. Right. And I was like, I don't like that story because I don't want to paint myself into that corner. I don't want to be, you know, yeah. love Ron White, but I don't want to go out with an accent and just ham up yeah, and play sure. to the bass, yeah. you know? So he's like, yeah, but the thing is, is like nobody else has that story. Because if you go up and do a bit about porn or you go up and do a bit about what you look like, he goes, every, you know, people have touched on that. He goes, yeah. I guarantee you nobody has touched on that story that you have because it's unique to you. That's true. So that's what's cool about stories, unlike certain bits, is like it's not something that no people... No one else is... There's not going to be any parallel There's thinking. no... Yeah, there's no parallel thinking to something that specific. Which is something we'll touch on at another another point, parallel thinking versus joke still. Yeah, versus, I think this is, went on a little bit, you know. Well, I think we did all right for the first one. Yeah, I think that was enough rambling. Um, hopefully... You guys enjoyed, and it's something that you want to continue watching. Make sure to subscribe and do all of that jazz. But uh, we'll be doing a new bit breakdown on famous comedians, uh, famous bits. So if that's what you're here for, well, we're going to be doing that every episode. And I think we'll just keep talking about what it means to us and let you in on as we go on. We'll be doing some more stuff about like 
the sets we've done and what it's like to go to an open mic and what our clubs like and what other clubs are like as we go check out other clubs and stuff. So, yeah. So what's on the horizon for us is we've got a comedy competition coming up. So we're going to see if we can win some money for this. We've got some opening gigs coming up. We've got a bunch of open mics coming up and we're wanting to travel and go to other clubs and just kind of see if what we're doing now works just because of home field advantage or if it's something that's actually funny when we get out there. So if you are here because you want to follow along with the journey and see how we're doing, see how a couple aspiring comedians can try to level up and go to something greater than where they started, you know, stay tuned for that. I've actually got my first set at a new club the day after tomorrow. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it'll be the first time I, yep. That's the first time I'll be going to a different club than the one that I cut my teeth on. I feel I feel so dirty talking about it, like we're these seasoned, rusty yeah. old road vets. When it's like, yeah, I've been on stage like a couple times. Yeah, but that's the that's the point of this whole thing is yeah, because we wanted to find other people who are going through it, and they're like, fuck it, we're going through it. So if you guys want to see what it's like, what, how better to learn than us? We're the you know the crash test dummies out here. We're gonna go out there. We're gonna show you what it's like going through the open mics. What we've learned. Hopefully, we'll be able to bring on some cool comedians who are more seasoned to talk about their experience. But uh, overall, that's what we hope this podcast is gonna be. We're gonna it's gonna be a space where we talk about comedy. We talk about our journey as trying to become comedians and everything in between. So while breaking down professional comedians and having hopefully some professional guests. Yeah, because now we've got some insight on it. As you've seen, we've been able to learn some tips and tricks. So if that's what you're here for, cool. So we're going to be doing these things once a week. We'll try to get them put up the same day every week so you guys get a little bit of consistency. And if you like this video, be sure to hit the like button. Subscribe if you aren't already. Leave a comment down below what you'd like to see us touch on. And we'll see you in the next episode. Bye.